Good evening. Let's just pray one more time. Father, we we ask you for an audience tonight. We ask you, Father, to send your Holy Spirit to teach us. Lord, open uh, these scriptures to us. Lord, help us to not just intellectually understand, but Lord, to to just know and to discern. Lord, help us. Lord, I pray for your help and your blessing tonight. In Christ's name, amen. If you can put the uh, chapter 10, paragraph 3. So a couple of really practical doctrines tonight and uh, questions that you may have. Elect infants, paragraph 3, dying in infancy, are regenerated and saved by Christ through the Spirit who works when and where and how he pleases. So also are all other elect persons who are incapable of being outwardly called by the ministry of the Word. So, if you have a Bible there, uh, a text that we quote often, John chapter 3 and verse 3. Uh, I think a, a, a scripture that is so often misapplied, uh, thinking that we're born again when we say the sinner's prayer, which is not what G- Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. In John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay? That's regeneration. You have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter. So there's seeing and there's entering the kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is regeneration. It's a sovereign work of grace. Uh, Mr. Law talked last week about monergism. And monergism in this, that God does the saving. God alone saves Sam Waldron says this regarding this passage, or this this paragraph. Since salvation is of the Lord, and he works when and where he wills, independent of any ability on our own, he saves elect infants the same way, apart from any working on their part. I think this is a comfort to grieving parents who've, who've lost children, who've lost infants, who've miscarried babies, to know that, well, we don't know. We have promises in Scripture that it's to, God, to us and to our seed and to our children. We hold to that promise. We cling to that. And knowing the character and nature of God, that he's gracious, that he's kind, that he is merciful. Um, 
we can cry out in our heart. We can say, for I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have entrusted against that day. I think there's more falsity that we see regarding this idea than perhaps the truth that God is going to save those that he desires to save. Whether they come to fruition, whether they grow to maturity, or whether they don't, he's going to save whom he's going to save. And um, it would be wrong to say, uh, we had a funeral a couple of years ago for a, uh, a people that were part of our congregation. Their child had died, a baby who was a very... Uh, uh, deformed as, as he was born, not certainly in the eyes of God or in our eyes, but his body was was missing pieces. And, and the, one of the grandparents said, well, God saves all babies because they're innocent. Well, you want to comfort a parent like that or a grandparent, but we don't have scripture to say that that's true. We do know that God will save his elect, all of them, every single one of them. And we cling to those promises. And it's the same with somebody who's, who doesn't have the mental capacity to be able to, to hear the word or, or to physically understand it. God, through the regenerating work of his Holy Spirit, will save them. And we know that God can work in a mother's womb because we see that John the Baptist was filled he leapt in Elizabeth's womb as, as, uh, as she met Mary. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. So we cling to the promises of God, recognizing that God is not hindered or limited. And nor do we believe, according to the confession, that there's, a, there's an age of accountability where children are not accountable until they reach a certain maturity or a certain age, then now they're accountable for what they hear. But we, we lean here on the nature and the character of a gracious God. We get to chapter 10 and paragraph 4. You can put that up. Others not elected, although they may be called by the ministry of the word and may have some common operations of the spirit, yet not being effectually drawn by the Father, they neither will nor can truly come to Christ and therefore cannot be saved. Much less can men that do not receive the Christian religion be saved. Be they never so diligent to frame their lives according to the light of nature and the law of religion, they do profess. If you've been a Christian a long time, you recognize that there are, there are people that you've seen that have, you know, there are people that you've walked alongside of that have denied the faith, they've left the faith. You've seen people that have been part of churches that they just kind of hang around on the outside edges. They never really quite... Well, this was true of the ministry of Christ as well. And, and here we see what, what we call the general call 
and the effectual call. The call goes out. Many are called, but few are chosen. And Jesus was referring specifically to the wedding, the, the wedding feast. They had a feast and that many were called, many were invited. And then there were some that came and they were not clothed properly. They didn't have wedding garments on and so they were not allowed to come into the feast. And there are many that want to try to come in another way, as, as we heard today in the sermon. You know, trusting in our own righteousness, trusting in our own good works. Look at me, I fast twice in a week and I tithe in everything that I make. Instead of recognizing that we must be clothed with Christ's garments. We must be clothed with his righteousness, his perfect righteousness and and paul when he saw it he got it he said yeah i would gladly change my robes for his righteousness that i might be found in him not having my own righteousness but having his righteousness which is by faith in philippians chapter three so you see the general call and the effectual call the call that goes out and we see that so clearly in the parable of the sower Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand anything. You understand this, you'll understand all things. And the sower went out and he sowed seed. In Matthew 13, 20, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. It's like, hey, praise God. I I, I said the sinner's prayer. I'm going to heaven when I die. Who doesn't want to go to heaven when they die? Just say the magic words and you're in. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. And then we see where the tares come up and the cares of this life choke out the life in other people. And we see also where the the seed falls in soil and it brings forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. And Jesus explains that the, the, the Son of God is the sower and he goes out and the seed goes everywhere and people hear the gospel all over the place. But only some hear it with ears that understand and get it it's the distinction between the general call God is willing that none perish but only those that he worked upon he works upon with his Holy Spirit will be saved we see in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. If they, if they fall away, if they walk away, if they deny the faith to, to come in, it's impossible. They crucified the Son of God afresh. Well, wait a minute. I, I, I thought that we could never lose our salvation. We can't. Well, how could this also be true? 
I think what the writer of Hebrews is saying. <laughs> they were out. They, they heard the same teaching. They saw the same miracles. They tasted. They saw what was happening. They were participating in it. Because if the Spirit of God has regenerated you, if He has called you and elected you and justified and sanctified you and glorified you, it's going to happen. And so we're saints, we, we, to make our calling and election sure. I think we'll see this clearly in John. I hope that, Lord, help me to, to explain this, please. In John 6.44, turn, turn to John. Because we're going to get a, a, a great example, a great illustration of this point. Jesus says in John 6.44, no one, well, first of all, let's look at verse 43. He, he just got through talking to them about um, but he's going to tell them about eating the bread. They're going to get offended in, in, in between these two passages. Look at verse 43. They're, they're murmuring, though. Jesus answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. They're beginning to stumble at his words. Some of them are really stumbling. And he says, no, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay. No one can come to the Son except the Father draws him. And now look down at, at verse 63. He was just telling about eating his body and drinking his blood. And a lot of them said, we're out of here. Look at verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would not and who would betray him and he said therefore i have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father there he repeats verse 44 again he's saying no one can come except the father draws him and here you have two groups of disciples you have some that are going to walk with jesus to the end. And some are leaving and they're going to deny him. Look at verse 66. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter's like, Peter gets it. How come Peter gets it? Because it's the Spirit that brings life. You have to go back to verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. 
This is regeneration. Pink says it. Listen, you have to have life before you can have the activities of life. And believing on Christ is a manifestation of the divine life that is already in the one who believes. Because what happened? That wind that blows in John 3, that wind that blows and we don't know where it comes from, we don't know where it goes, it already has come in and given you and I a new heart that can see and can believe now because it's been changed. The heart of stone has been taken out, replaced with a heart of flesh. A heart of stone doesn't beat, it's not alive. A heart of of flesh beats, it's fleshly, and it pounds and pumps your blood. It's been given life. And that happens, and and when it's this, here Jesus says it's the spirit that gives life. This is the effectual call. This is the, this is the quickening that happens so that you now can hear the call. And some hear and some don't. And the result of the hearing is that they believe. And here Jesus is saying, the flesh profits nothing. Look at verse 63. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. You can't figure it out in your head. You can't study about it. It's it's something that happens supernaturally. Having nothing to do with man. The flesh profits nothing. The spirit does it with no effort on part of man. No human reasoning. And see, you and I, you cannot discern spiritual things until you have spiritual life dwelling in you. I go back to, the, to, to my college days, right? And I told you the story about sitting out listening to the preachers on the mall. And we're laughing and mocking at them. And all those guys heard the same thing I heard. Am I smarter than all the rest of them? Absolutely not. But what was happening? God was doing a work in here. And the same is true for many of you. And so we act upon that by believing. Look at, here's a great picture in verse 64 of the responsibility of man. Jesus says in verse 63, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But verse 64, but there are some of you who do not believe. See, the result of that work of the spirit is that we believe. And without that spirit, they don't believe, and they depart. See, this is the distinction. Think about what Paul says in Ephesians 1.17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He's praying for the church at Ephesus, saying... God has to do this. He has to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Your eyes have to be opened. And this is how we pray, saints. This is why this is so important. Not that we just get a head full of doctrine and get all puffed up and say, we're the called, we're the elect, let's stay in our four walls. This is how we pray for our children. This is how we pray for our neighbor and our world. That the God, that the Lord, the Lord God would move to do this. That he would open their eyes. That he would give them a spirit of knowledge and understanding. That, he would, that they would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. 
according to the working of his mighty power. And see, without this working in us, we will not have the knowledge of him. We can't. He says again in 1 Thessalonians 1.4, these are all the beginnings of the chapters where he's introducing things. He says, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. It wasn't textual. It wasn't just intellectual. It didn't just come, but it, it came in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. Again, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. For he cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned. Jesus says my, my, they are spirit and they are life. And we know from Paul's teachings in, in, to the Romans, his letter to the Romans in 8. Those who live according to the flesh, they have their minds set on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The Spirit has to come, our natural state is to be carnally minded and we're at war with God. And God brings this call and he brings this effectual call and we hear it. And now all of a sudden we become spiritually minded. We can discern and we can hear. And you want to say to somebody, can't you see this? How many times have you shared the gospel and they're just like, nobody's home. And so this is the work of prayer. Not that we stop sharing the gospel and say, well, God's just going to save him if God's going to save him. No, we, we go to war in prayer. God, open the eyes that they can see that they can behold you in all of your glory. And when you see this, you, see, you can understand how... You know, the foolishness of a seeker service or the, 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 the modern tools that we try to do to impress people. Or These things are spiritually discerned. Romans 8.28, for we know that all things work together. Jerry quoted this this morning. Work together for good to those who love God and what? <coughs> those that are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknow, then we get the predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So we see here the, the effectual call, it's the internal versus the external call. The seed goes out and many can hear it. They hear the gospel, but they, they just don't hear it. They don't understand. It's not spiritually discerned in them. And so Paul again in 1 Corinthians in verse one, or chapter 1 and verse 23, but he says, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. It's foolishness to just listen to it in, 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 in your mind. But to those who are called, see, to the learned, it's foolishness. What do you, get off the Jesus thing. What's with you? Get into therapy or something, but forget about Jesus. It's foolishness to the learned. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, 
the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring nothing to the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. This is why when we understand the gospel, when we understand the working of God, that God saves as saints of God, as those that have been saved, all we can do is just worship Him and say, "Are you? thank you, God. It wasn't anything that you saw in me. It's purely a work of grace. There's no boasting. In verse 30 of 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, But of Him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And then this last part of the confession, much less can men that do not receive the Christian religion be saved, be they never so diligent to frame their lives according to the light of nature and the law of religion they do profess. Saints, there are many that there, there are men that profess Christ at the same time that I did. There are people that profess Christ when you did, and they're no longer they're, they're, they've rejected Christ, they've left the faith. And you have to, why did this happen? I think, I think John helps us to understand what happened. Did, are they just backslidden or did they never slide forward? Did it, were they never converted in the first place? And John, the age of John, is writing to the church and he's saying in 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Again, it's the external call versus the internal call. It's the general call versus the effectual call. See, if he says they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they may be, be, be made manifest that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One. Here it is, here, it is, here again is, that Holy, is the Holy Spirit coming into us and changing us and, and, and causing us to see and, and understand things. And because of that unction, you know all things, John says, that I have written unto you because you know not the truth... Or because, Excuse me, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. So when you hear people talk about Orthodox Jews, or you hear them talk about the Muslims, well, they're all, it's all the same. It's all worshiping the, the God of Abraham then we have to throw John out. You have to throw the Apostle John out. 
as well as most of the New Testament. Because he says, if you deny the Son, you don't have the Father. And then later he'll say in 2 John 1, 9, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. If, he doesn't have the, if he's not preaching Christ, he doesn't have the doctrine of Christ, he says, don't even bring him into your house. In Acts 4.12, he says there is salvation and there is salvation. There is not salvation in any other. No other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's not many ways to God, saints. There's one way. It's a narrow way. And the gate, the door is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by through him. And it's a liar and it's a thief that tries to come another way. Preach that unashamedly, boldly, fearlessly. May God give us the courage to do that. I want to read something and then I'm done here. I'm over, over time. This is why, by the way, we pray Sunday mornings before the service. You're welcome to join us at 830 if you can make it. But why prayer is so important and why this is so important. Not that we get a head full of doctrine. We need precision in our doctrine. But that we, can, that we know how to pray, that we understand how this works. Pink says this. He says, what is urgently needed today is not mesmeric experts who have made a study of how to produce a religious atmosphere nor religious showmen to make people laugh one minute and weep the next, but faithful preaching of God's word with the saints on their faces before God, humbly praying that he may be pleased to send his quickening spirits into their midst. What we need on a Sunday morning as the word of God is preached is God to send his quickening spirit You who are dead in your trespasses, hath he quickened. Lydia in Philippi, God opened her heart and she understood. That's what we must pray for. That's what we believe for.